This time on Holy Ghost Notes. We've definitely flirted. <sighs> I had a feeling. Denied. You're already the voice inside my head. Why don't you just tell him that? <laughs> <laughs> Brother! Welcome to Holy Ghost Notes, episode number 84. I said I wasn't going to do that, and I did it. I didn't even try to do it. It just came out. Sorry about that, Tim. It just gets more and more ridiculous. I'm Tim. This is Carl. Yeah. <laughs> For those of, you, <laughs> those of you who haven't been listening. Well, you know, I just got back from tour, so I'm, I'm trying to adjust to normal life. And as you can see, I'm caught in the crosshairs of figuring it out. So sorry yeah. to everyone that had to deal with that intro. It won't happen mm. again. <laughs> so I I'm, quite liked it. <laughs> okay, good. Well, then it, it still won't yeah. happen again, actually. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back. It took me a while to get my computer up and running this morning. I um, The way that we record these episodes is on Pro Tools for anyone that is interested. And um, when you use iLock, which we do, uh, you have to reactivate on the computer that you haven't mm-hmm. been activated on. And so I had to go through that process. Classic. Forgot my password. Classic. Had to reset my password. Couldn't remember the email to resend the reset password to. <laughs> oh my! So here's a little life hack for everyone listening, and this applies to everyone because I know we all struggle with remembering passwords. There's a, a free service. This is not a advertisement. <laughs> it's going to sound like a like a plug, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a service that I've been using for years. It's free. Uh, called lastpass.com, lastpass.com. And um, you can install it as an extension on your browser, and then every single time you type in a password, it will ask you if you want to save your password. Now, the great thing about this, and there's been some improvements with, like, Google Chrome and stuff like that where you basically have a password manager, you know, external from your computer that you can access, but LastPass came out before that, and I still use it. I have all of my passwords saved in LastPass, um, and it's encrypted. But I can access LastPass from anywhere. So if I'm trying to access accounts from another computer and I just don't remember the password, and nowadays you're doing these autofill passwords that are just crazy, um, LastPass really comes in handy. So That's really again, cool. this is not an advertisement. This is just literally me yeah. saving you some time, hopefully, in the future. I thought you were going to <laughs> pitch the idea that this thing can save your passwords, can auto recall your passwords. I'm thinking, well, my it will. Con- it'll it'll auto put them in when you're <laughs> you know when you visit a site. It'll you know, right. So I thought for you. I thought nice. you were going to to say that's what it's limited to, which is essentially the same thing as what my computer already has when it. Mm it does all of that for me. The added benefit of what you're talking about, and it sounds like it works pretty well, is that you can access this centralized page of all of your passwords from any computer. My question is, (laughs) do you need a password to access (laughs) all of the (laughs) passwords? But if if you can remember one password, just remember your last password. Oh my goodness. I mean, you'll be able to access all your passwords. Sure. Well, it's cool because my, so at one point my motherboard (laughs) fried in my laptop and I had to get a brand new motherboard, reinstall all my programs. It's just a total pain. But what I didn't have to do was refill in all of the passwords that were saved on my local hard drive, right? right? So, um, so LastPass really came in handy there because all I had to do was install the extension and, si- you know, sign in, and then so everything's there. It's I have a great. question. 
Um, when you go to, say, eBay, mm-hmm. and you haven't been there in two years, and yeah. you have LastPass installed working in the background, does it automatically refill the password section yeah. of eBay? It does, okay. As, so long, as, as long as the, that password is saved in LastPass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like you're accessing LastPass website to figure out the password for eBay. It's just automatically, intuitively. It'll just put it in there as long as the extension's turned on in your browser, yeah. That's great. It's pretty great. I like that. I will look into that because you feel like you have passwords figured out. for today. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is my work computer in my studio, and we were just talking about how I I haven't logged into Pro Tools here in two months. You know, I've been Mm -hmm. recording remotely my laptop so yeah well that's great you know stuff like that's good it's it's nice with how busy life is it's nice to have things like that in line so that yeah it's just a little easier because it's very rare that you have time to figure something like that out and Mm -hmm. you're usually like oh i have a work meeting at 11 i'll i'll log in at 10 55 and then something doesn't work your password's (laughs) not there just just scrambling to figure it Mm -hmm. out yeah well, nowadays it's like updates that get me. You know, mm-hmm. you try to access a program and it's like, this needs to be updated before you can use it. And it's like a minute before your call. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that happens all the time. Uh, it's just everything is constantly, it, there's improvements, which I love. I love that like all of these programs are constantly the best possible version of this program, mm-hmm. you know, available to me right now. But mm-hmm. it's like the updates are just insane. And mm-hmm. especially when it, you know, when like some of the programs are are you're able to use them without updating. You can like schedule the update for later, but some of the programs won't even let you use the program until you update. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what throws me off. It's like I have all of this scheduled in perfectly. Yes. And had I known I needed to update before I used the program, maybe I should have planned ahead and tried it late. You know, <laughs> but yes. it's like you never know. Uh-huh. Like this should just work, but it doesn't uh-huh. right now. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I I want to give a shout out here in the okay. intro part of this podcast. Um, I like that. And the shout out is to your sister, actually. <gasps> because I had a feeling. She she was a part of our connect group, our Bible study for a long time. And she's she's very um she's she's very interested in my life and my career with the band and what I have to say. And I, I've it's it really um, it surprised me when I I found that out because you and I have been working together for so long we've been friends for a long time and I just feel like she probably doesn't she couldn't care any less um, mm. <laughs> because we're friends and that is what it is but uh, I it's very sweet of her she's a very caring person mm. and um, I I think it's it's admirable to see someone who takes interest in what other people are doing around them as much as mm. she does. I think it's a strength of, of hers. And I could yeah. learn a lot from that because oftentimes I'm I'm sort of zoomed into what I'm doing and I don't include other people's interests mm. or lives as much as I could. So um, your sister, soon to be Mrs. Anderson. Uh, well, currently Mrs. Anderson. Yeah, soon to currently be, Miss Anderson, yeah. Soon to be married. Um, Soon to be married in October. Congratulations yeah. to you. If yes. you're listening to this, I'm really happy for you. Yeah. And uh, maybe it still will be Anderson. I don't know what she's going to choose to do with her That's last true. name. But but either way, I'm really happy for you. And I really appreciate uh, you as a, a person. And I've learned a couple things about 
how you treat other people and the interest you take in other people, the genuine interest you take in other people from mm. you. So thank you. Yeah. And, and if congratulations. You might be. You probably are. Shout out to you. Love you. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so I am uh, I'm I'm home from tour, um, and this all became so much easier to record a podcast. And uh, I guess our mentality is it's easier to record the podcast, so let's make the podcast content harder. Yeah, uh, I'm what, actually I'm that's very excited about do. these topics. I don't know if you knew this when you sent them to me. Um, I got pumped because so like when I when I attack like topics. Which, by the way, we just <laughs> these topics we came up with last night, or Matt came up with last night. Um, so I haven't had a ton of time to like sit on these, but I got excited because when I when I um, try to come up with topics, I'm usually trying to think of something brand new that we haven't even branched out or touched on at all. But these are two topics that, like, we started going in this direction with some of the topics we've had in the past, but never really did these topics justice like we just Mm -hmm. touched on like a portion of it like one kind of bled in to Mm -hmm. it you know but we've never actually like dove in to these topics so Mm -hmm. dived in i don't know how how you're supposed to say that but um (laughs) so i'm excited about these when you sent them i was like yeah like we've never really given these a a fair chance yeah so to your point uh we we've definitely flirted with um comparison mm. quite a few times like we've we've yep. found ourselves talking about it but it never started off that way so our right. our, our faith topic is comparison and um i want to just pull up the way that i spelled it out because when i when we talk about these topics um it, if you're interested in how it comes about i usually text something that's more than just the word itself or the topic mm-hmm. itself and try to give some context uh, for Tim so that he can be like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's what he means. So mm-hmm. the faith topic that I, I sent is life isn't fair. Comparison is a robber. <clears throat> and the drum topic in short form is overthinking, but in long form, I'm thinking too much how to shut off the brain. Yeah. Love those. So that would give you Great a little topics. context as to what's going on. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. Um, if it's your first time listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast, we start with the drum topic. Typically, I think one time mm-hmm. ever we started yeah, with the faith have started topic. With faith once, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and <clears throat> and and then we go to the faith topic or the life topic or the God topic, whatever you you know, whatever it, it yep. yeah happens to be that day. Um, so thanks for listening, and uh, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, so overthinking <clears throat> or thinking too much, as you put it. Yeah. Um, do you want to, do you want to kick this off and we'll I, go from I there? I think, I think what we'll do is you can kick this off and okay. then I will kick off comparison. Yeah. I, I will, um, kind of introduce what I was thinking in terms of, mm-hmm. of overthinking. But if yeah. I talk first about it, since I came up with the topic, it might kind of shadow what you were thinking or, or steer yeah. you in another direction. So I'd rather hear from you first. Okay, let's do it. Um, right, so again, I haven't really sat too long on this topic, um, but what I was thinking about, and I think we might have, again, we kind of touched on it a little bit but didn't really do it justice, was like I, I get into my head a lot, and often mm-hmm. that kind of prohibits me from actually being creative. And I just had a really long conversation about this, 
mm-hmm. with with a close friend of mine, and um, and she was actually asking me like, how do you like? She was referencing like the podcast and the music that I put out, and like different like ideas that I have. Like, I'm I'm usually very proactive about making a logo, getting stuff out, just releasing it, you know, and making things happen, you know, and for, as a creative person, I'm sure if you're listening and you're very creative in nature, um, you probably struggle with also being a perfectionist to some extent where like you almost feel like you can't put something out until it's perfect or until it has your full Mm -hmm. approval. Right. Um, and so that's actually like, it's really tough for creative people to release their own material. Mm -hmm. They're, they're, able to help other people with other people's ideas. But when it comes to your own thing, you can't, it's never quite right, you know? And that's something I found found about myself, especially um, with songwriting, is like I have hundreds and hundreds of just unfinished songs. And I'd work on some for, for a long time, and then they would just never, ever get completed, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, I've had the same thing with like drum parts where I'll, uh, you know, attack a song, start writing drums, and I'm just not quite happy with the part. Like it just doesn't seem perfect. And what I've been able to do recently, I like kind of made a commitment to myself to basically just stop overthinking mm-hmm. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. just take a step back, let it go, and actually like release things that I didn't feel were perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, and that really irked on my perfectionist side. Like, you know, for me as a, as a vocalist, I'm never really happy with how my vocals turn out. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to release anything with me singing on it because it's like every time I hear that song now, I, I cringe a little bit when that off note Mm -hmm. resounds or, (laughs) you know, and so what ends up happening is it just never, I never do anything with it. It just Mm -hmm. sits there. Never really. Well, now it, I have a question about anyone. this. Okay. What yeah. if it's two years in the future and you look back on that clip? It's and amazing. It's, and, I'm very okay. happy with it. Yeah. And so now this it's is, like, okay, now I can post this. This is what I've learned. Okay. So, so, um, well, so I, I will say I'm usually more impressed with it if I've already, like, I almost have to get over that hump mm-hmm. of like, this isn't good enough. I can't release it to, I'm just going to put it out there. It's, I'm calling it finished. This is mm-hmm. done. Get it out. You know, like my, my tendency, because I, because I'm a multi-instrumentalist and it can record everything. It's like, I have this song. I know exactly how it's supposed to sound. I know the production. I need to set aside time to record this and people need to hear it the way it's meant to be heard. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a real, like for me with the amount of time I have, it's like, it's never getting done. Like mm-hmm. if that's how it needs to be released, no one's ever going to hear it. Mm-hmm. So I've been like sitting and just recording an acoustic version of it and just releasing it because the song itself is great and I can present it in a way that people will still get the gist of it, right? Right. And so I've had to just mentally get over this hump of just like, I'm just going to put this out there. Same thing with drum videos. I mean, honestly, it's across the board. Everything creative that I've done, there's some hump at some point that prohibits me from like feeling like it's ready Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and honestly, no matter how much time and effort I put into that thing, that hump's just going to keep moving, mm-hmm. and there's always going to be something else that can make it a little better. Well, maybe I should give it a couple months and then go back to it 
and you know maybe I'll have some some other ideas. Let me sleep on it. Like that's mm-hmm. the mentality that for me prohibits anything from ever <laughs> ever ever mm-hmm. getting done. Um, and then it just piles up. It's just another idea that sits in my voice memos app on my phone or you know whatever. So um, so what do you think it is that in two years time? You look back and you say, oh, okay, I can post this now. Because this is not a new uh, idea. This is something I've seen in a lot of people, even yeah. myself when I look back. I say, well, in my own world, what happens is I look back, I say, well, that was two years ago. So mm-hmm. I can post this and say, throwback two years ago, right. meaning I've made two years of progress, I've made progress since, since then. Yeah. So if you don't like this thing, I've probably gotten better at it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's actually this is where I'm at today. It's almost like yeah, it's almost like putting um, like a gap between it. Like mm-hmm. it's a, this mental like oh, I can post this because I've improved and I know I've improved. For me, I think I think it's just some level of separation, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily because of that. It's just because you can come at it from a different yes. uh, point of view, and then as a creator. Um, I'm still proud of stuff that I've done that I did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I might never show anybody that <laughs> thing I did 20 years ago, but I'm still proud of it in a way. So I think at some point there is a certain amount of time for everybody where they start going back and looking at things that they've done that they were too apprehensive to share at the time. And then they're like, oh, this is, this is good enough. Mm-hmm. I can share this. But yeah, there's some separation or some perspective that's been achieved in that time period between creating it and releasing it. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying to overcome that mentality like in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to write a song and I'm going to write it in a month and I'm going to record it and whatever I end up with, I'm releasing it. Mm-hmm. It's going out there, whether it's perfect or not. Mm-hmm. And that for me like really just broke some barriers. Like just it's it's not apathy because I don't want to say it's like not caring enough because I'm putting effort into this. Mm-hmm. I'm just stopping myself from getting to the point where I overthink it, qu- start questioning it, start thinking, well, you know, I'm going to like you can always say a year from now, I'll be better at drums. Mm-hmm. I can just I'll just record the drums a year from now because I'll be better. I can play that part that I'm struggling with right now. But chances are you're never actually going to do it. Mm-hmm. And again, that piece of work is just going to sit there and it's not going to be appreciated in the time that you created it. Um, so for well, me... Well, recording stuff is 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 a horrible feeling yeah. for me. <laughs> the, like when yeah, you listen yeah. back or you watch back, it's, it's tough. It's a tough reality. Yeah. So if you do mm-hmm. that, like you said, monthly, it's going to be a way to check in on yourself versus doing it yearly, which is, well, that's, mm-hmm. that's a, that's too big of a gap. Right. Yeah. Well, I've applied this more so with, with like writing songs. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm always the person who's going to overthink the lyrics, overthink the melody, mm-hmm. overthink the production, overthink every single part that I'm writing. Um, you know, and, and so there's everything going against me as far as this song that I love and I'm, working on to ever actually see the light of day right Mm -hmm. so i have just noticed like for me as a creator um if i let myself start getting there then um nothing ever gets done you know and this is what my friend was coming to me about because they couldn't understand how i'm able to produce content you know Mm -hmm. because 
I just, and that's really the only, the only reason I'm doing anything is because I'm turning that piece, that part of my brain off, um, and allowing myself to just appreciate what I've done, whether it's perfect or not, whether I feel mm. it's presentable. Um, it's something that I've created and something that I should be proud of. And that's the way I'm going to think of it down the road. Mm-hmm. So why not? release it now mm-hmm. in the moment when I'm feeling this, when it means something <laughs> as opposed to, oh yeah, I did this thing a couple years back and never posted it. Like that almost, for me, it's yeah. like it decreases the level of importance or, you know, the like it, it's just something that I forgot to post so it can't be that cool, can't right. be that important. You yeah, know? this but is like a moment, B-side. This is just yeah, kind of exactly. content that's an there. afterthought, right? I, but in the moment, that was the coolest thing you were working on at the time. So it's like two years down the road, it's just going to be something you did a long time ago. <laughs> right. I think this is a lot like Adam Gray's scenario, which we talked yep. about a while ago. Yeah. Where it was like, hey, we're doing Grinder Kilmer drum day, mm-hmm. and I need you to come in and record some drum stuff. He's like, well, when is it? I said, tomorrow. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm not ready. I need two weeks. Two weeks to do what? To practice. Adam, you're not going to be that much better in two weeks. You're good right now. I don't want to do it. Well, you're doing it. I already booked the time. <laughs> and <laughs> this might sound harsh and pushy, but I, at, at that time, Adam and I were spending a decent amount of time together, and I, I knew his personality was going to you know, react like this. And so mm-hmm. he got in there, and I also knew that he would kill it Yeah, because um, he's, he's very talented. He got in there. He played really well, was very happy with it. I don't know. It might have been a year later. He looked back at the video and said, man, I'm so glad I did that then. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be able to play that now. I've always remembered that right. because he was pretty sure that he needed more time to do the thing that once he had more time, he looked back on and said, I couldn't play that now. Mm-hmm. That that was, I'm so stoked on my performance then. So yeah. to, to, to your point, I think you have a really good perspective on this about progress, I would say, um, and how to make progress in your life. And Overthinking is is something that impedes progress mm-hmm. moving forward. I think it's interesting the way you talk about, like, like the, we were talking about how if you put some space between you and the song or the project that you had in mind to do, it feels like you can post it now because maybe I've made progress in this area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about the fact that people are scared to show others around them who they are today. Mm. But it's a lot less intimidating to say, well, this is where I was two years ago. Mm. But here's where I am right now. Yeah. And you kind of let yourself off the hook a little bit if it's like, well, that was a while ago. Right. Yeah. That was that's we're looking way back at that thing, you know. But right. so it's it's a much different thing to say, here's where I'm at right now, today. Here's how I look. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how I play drums. Here's the song I wrote. I just did this. This is who I am. And now you can calculate exactly what kind of person I am today. Mm-hmm. Right. I, that's a, a very a level interesting of transparency that is required. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting to me. And I, I hadn't thought about it the way that you just explained it. Hmm. But your overthinking comes in the creative process, in the um. You, you taking the paintbrush and basically painting whatever it is that you're doing mm-hmm. and looking at it and saying, no, I can do this better. Yeah. Do you find that um, some of it has to do with the way we record now, where we're not recording to tape, we're recording to this um, 
interface that allows you to do as many redos as possible and it's fairly easy right to do all yep. that do you do you think that plays into it yeah for sure i think i think the the abilities that we have now as creators with technology and and just what's available um for the price especially like what's affordable and what people can actually get their hands on right um easily um i think it's 100% influenced the mentality um you know because i think like heading into the studio back in the day mm -hmm. there was a lot more pre-production there was a lot of practicing and then in the studio there was a lot of takes um because they wanted to get that song just right from start to finish you know and and you know i've i've spent i'm a big beatles fan for those of you that don't know and and i've spent a lot of time watching their documentaries and so i've seen how they record and it's just so different then than it is mm -hmm. now um which actually gives you kind of a better appreciation for the music that came out back then um but for me you know you know i was kind of i guess grown during this i mean we had i had pro tools not everyone my age at you know 14 15 had access to pro tools mm -hmm. um so i was fortunate in that way but i was kind of um grown as a musician with these capabilities mm -hmm. so right my production ideas or like i would have this just this melody idea there'd be no lyrics mm -hmm. no chords no nothing i would record this melody idea into my phone um or actually back then it was a tape recorder not my phone um phones didn't do that yet <laughs> um, but i'd record this idea and with this melody would be this uh, subconscious idea of what this song would be. Mm -hmm. Production, final mix master. Like I would see the end result mm -hmm. and I'd be setting expectations before I even had the chance to think. You know, like this melody came out and right off the bat, mm -hmm. before I could speak a word, before I could really even record this idea, this whole song there's expectations set for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm never, ever able to hit those expectations mm -hmm. because it's just this is the expectation of the best this song could be. And that always hurt me because when I would try to finish this song, uh, this this chorus melody is way too good. This first melody just doesn't isn't quite good enough. And in mm -hmm. some ways, that's a good thing. It makes you strive for the best possible result. And that's great as a perfectionist, as a creator, to have that to an extent but when the expectation is set to something that you can never actually achieve mm -hmm. then that really cool chorus melody that has a lot of potential and you keep like there's really good verse melodies really good pre-chorus melodies really good bridge melodies that just don't cut it for this perfect chorus that perfect chorus is just going to sit there mm -hmm. in the ether forever <laughs> mm -hmm. because nothing's ever going to hit that so right. it's like you have to do something you have to turn off your brain you have to just make progress um and in some cases i've learned like um i didn't give any of these melodies a fair chance um mm -hmm. take it back to drums real quick because a lot of you listening are drummers i've done the exact same thing with drums i'll hear a song i'll write a drum part in my head that i can't actually play or can't actually um transpose on the kit in the studio um, or in my, you know, creative time. And that will make me feel like no matter what I play is subpar. Mm -hmm. But you almost have to mentally take a step back 
I, I recommend, honestly, I, I, um, I haven't really done this too often, but what I found that works is actually with drumming, if you're writing a drum part to a song, you might not be happy with it, record it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then start from scratch. Start, start, rec- start writing something new. Mm-hmm. Record that, even if you're not feeling too crazy about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because what will end up happening right. is you'll probably have like five different iterations of what this drum part could be. And you might dislike certain parts and like other parts, but it's all going to be clouded in the moment. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to take a step back, revisit those parts, yeah. and pick out elements that you like, that you this think has happened are good enough. quite a lot with the band, where I'll mm-hmm. write something, and I can't play it well, and I'm like, I, I can't really play it for you guys in the band until I play it well. Yeah. And they're like, well, just just play it. Like, just play it for what it is. And I play it for them, and they're like, ah, it's not, it's not, it's not that cool. And my thought is, well, it's because I didn't play it well. I need to play it better. So then I remember practicing and practicing and practicing this part. It was for a drum solo. Yeah. And I played it pretty well, and they're like, it's not it. I'm like, okay, so it is actually the part. And then just in the moment, without thinking, I played something that I wasn't very good at, but it was completely different, and they're like, that's it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I didn't play either part well. You said no to that one and yes to this one. To your point, record it because your performance of the part doesn't matter as much as what you're playing. Like, what Mm. is it that you're playing? Right. That matters a lot more than how you're playing Mm -hmm. that thing. And and that that is something that was really bizarre to me to figure out because I'm like, as long as it's played well, it'll probably be better than what it is now. And it's like, yeah, it... Yes, that's important, but you you can't change the essence of what the beat is mm-hmm. by playing it the best you can. It's still still the beat, still the yeah, you know right, snare, still right. in two the and four. The groove is still the same, right? Yeah, that's that's a very important thing. I remember too what you just said. It's sparking a whole bunch of memories. We were recording Phantom Anthem, and I remember. JB and, and Dustin spent an exorbitant amount of time writing songs for that album on guitar. And uh, we needed a really heavy song, just something mm. dumb, just basic, dumb, straight ahead, metalcore, heavy. And so they wrote yeah. this song in the studio, and it ended up being Blood Letter, which is one of the more popular songs on the album. And it's just like took them probably whatever fraction amount of the time to write that mm-hmm. versus... Another song that um, doesn't get near the play. Like, we play mm-hmm. Blood Letter live now on tours. Right. So overthinking doesn't necessarily equate to a better outcome. That's right. In the end. Um, being being more meticulous and putting more time into something doesn't necessarily produce something in the end that's um, more creative mm-hmm. or of a higher quality. Um, yeah. It's it's an interesting thing. Overthinking can actually be something that sets you back, even though you think, well, the more that I put into this, the better it will be. Well, maybe not. With creative stuff, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. That's right. Yeah. I think this is sparking a lot of memories for me, too. There was a big trend. I guess it's still a trend, but there was a big trend of side projects Mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, I remember like all of my favorite bands had side projects and in many cases I liked their side projects better. Mm -hmm. Um, Really? And yeah. And the the funny thing is like postal service versus death cab. So that's not a good, (laughs) that's not a good comparison. (laughs) I was going to say, I I can't think of a side project 
that I like better than the main thing. Okay, so Dashboard was, Dashboard Confessional, for instance, is kind of Chris's side project. He was started working on it when he was in Further Seams for, Forever. Okay. And I actually went on to like Dashboard quite a bit better. Mm -hmm. um, further Seams Forever still, you know, holds a place in my heart. But Incredible. Um, you know, but like, so, I mean, that's that's one example, but okay. there's a lot of different areas where, or, or B-sides, I think, is a great example. Like, this, like, the reason for the B-side was like, oh, we were just messing around. We were just uh -huh. having fun. And it's like, well, I love it. Uh -huh. Like, I can tell you were having fun because this is amazing, you know? Yeah, right. And then even for me and, like, people that I've written with, like, sometimes we've just like stopped and just like started jamming out had fun right and came up with just amazing ideas mm -hmm. because there was no pressure and it didn't matter what we wrote we were just being creative and in some cases like we would just roll with whatever we were going with and we some in some cases come out with a whole song in like one day mm -hmm. and it turns out to be amazing something that i still cherish to this day mm -hmm. and it all was hashed out in just a matter of hours and my mind is telling me you can't create something that is at the same level as these other things that have taken, you know, right. hundreds of hours in four or five hours. But that's not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like sometimes things just click and you run with it and you finish it. And it's amazing. And, so yeah. has uh, Matt Thiessen ever had a side project outside of Reliant K? Yes, okay. Matthew Thiessen and the Earthquakes actually was his side Do you project like that during better Reliant K. Then Reliant K. Uh, certain songs, yeah. Is that and right? In fact, um, I, I think a couple of the songs ended up getting brought into um, like a Reliant K album at some mm -hmm. point too, like because they realized at some point these songs are pretty good. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's work, <laughs> let's work them in. Um, and so that's like kind of, kind of interesting. There's also been some B sides that people just loved so much that they've worked it into their set, their mm -hmm. live set. And it's like, you know, that says something, you know, like it didn't make the cut for you at, at some point in life, mm -hmm. probably cause you were overthinking it. Cause you're like, ah, this just doesn't quite hit the mark. You know, it's a little subpar, mm -hmm. but ultimately, um, Everyone else thinks otherwise. <laughs> I think right. you bringing up this B-side thing is actually a good real-life analogy of what you're talking about here. Uh, yeah. Admittedly, my my idea of overthinking is completely different than yours in terms of okay. the context, which is why I wanted you to go first. Yeah. But I but I really like where you're going with this, and I think it's probably um, just as relatable. And yeah. this B-side this B-side analogy is really good. So I want to run with this a little bit. So okay, if it's true that you think about what you're doing a little bit less when you're doing a B-side, uh, when you are when you are working with a band, rather, that is not your primary band that you're known for, the pressure's mm -hmm. off, right? That's right. what I think. Like, pressure's want. off. You can just kind of have fun with this. This is your thing. Mm -hmm. Be creative. Like, those are all yeah. things I would associate with this. Um, well, it should be the case with your band, really. Right. Have fun with it. Be creative. Like, that's uh -huh. really the idea. That's right. <laughs> it should always be the idea, but yeah. Angels yeah. and Airwaves versus mm. Blink-182. Boxcar Racer versus Blink-182. Mm -hmm. Which is your preference? See, that's the thing. I, there's a couple Boxcar songs that I like way better than anything uh, on certain Blink albums. Can you, can you sing the hit? I feel so. I feel so. There's also There Is... I don't know is there it, is. Uh, what's that? Is it there is? Is that what it's called? Hold on, now I gotta look. Um, it's uh, they have two hits. 
Um, okay. There is, yeah. I feel so, and there is. Those were the okay. two hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so mad. I feel. <laughs> you got to do the Tom DeLonge uh, breath. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, the don't waste your time, mommy. You're already the voice inside my head. There you go. That was good. That's the most. I feel Tom like we should have me. a short clip in every. Holy Ghost Notes episode where you are um, <laughs> singing Tom DeLonge. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe just singing Tom DeLonge. I was going to expand a little further out than that, yeah. but that's that's fine. <laughs> That'll do. So, Boxcar Racer versus Angels and Airways, which is your preference? Uh, dude, uh, so here for me, it's like, it's songs. Mm-hmm. Because I can't say that I like one over the other because... I agree. I like, like both. Some of the like a couple there's there's a few boxcar racer songs that trump blink songs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple angels and airwaves songs that trump uh, blink songs for me. There's a couple uh, plus forty four songs mm-hmm. that trump blink songs for me. So it's like it's all it comes down to the song, man. And mm-hmm. I, it's for me kind of funny that um, some of these songs were probably like plus forty four was um, did Travis Barker play. On plus yeah, 44? Travis Barker was in, tr- in plus forty four with Mark Hoppus, and um, and I guarantee Boxcar Racer, but not Angels and Airwaves. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, Angels and Airwaves is just Tom. Boxcar was Tom and Travis. Plus forty four was Mark and Travis. There's all okay. these <laughs> side projects. They all kind of sound a little bit like Blink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but because um, it you know it is, um, but like plus forty four has a few songs that I guarantee Mark was just sitting on. In the Blink days. Oh, yeah. They probably yeah. didn't get the time of day from the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. So he went on and recorded them, and that's where Plus 44 comes from. No, and that's same right. with Boxcar. There were a couple songs that, I mean, granted, like Boxcar got a little bit heavier, a little bit grungier, a little bit more experimental, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, and Tom probably couldn't get it approved by the rest of the band. Um, mm-hmm. I guarantee Mark and Tom were butting heads <laughs> yeah. because they both were writers and singers and guitarists and, you know, they had their own ideas and, you know, they Wildly each had the successful. of, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. They're both, you know, masters uh, in their own, like separate from each other. They're both, you know, incredible musicians and writers. But um, yeah, it's, for me, it, it's like song by song. You know, mm-hmm. but I yeah. can't ever say that like this side project was a total flop, and mm-hmm. that like in most cases, like even like the Postal Service, like I didn't like all the songs. Yeah, and in some cases, I could tell, yeah, this was just thrown together. But then there were a couple that was like, wow, this is magical. Like, mm-hmm. why didn't this make the 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 Death Cab record? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like this is a great song. You know, so it, it's all I think it comes down to overthinking and, and getting in your own head and, and probably, you know, a lack of approval from somebody at some mm-hmm. point that makes you go off and say, I'm just going to do this on my own then, hmm. you know? It's um, interesting. I, my take on overthinking, um, boils down. I wrote this down, uh, while we were setting this up, it boils down to one thing. It, it has to do with you yourself, playing drums or playing whatever instrument you're playing or doing whatever art or work that you do. Mm -hmm. The more you know, the more you have to think about. This whole idea came to me because of a drummer hangout I had last week. One of my students, he said, hey, listen, you know, I, I didn't used to think about my posture and my balance and how I sit on my throne 
until you started talking about it. Hmm. And he's like, and now I, it's usually what I think about when I sit down to play. That's interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not good. And we started talking about it. Well, we've, we've been talking about posture and seat height and, you know, your physiology and everything for weeks now on drummer hangout. I mean, not every week, but it's, it's oftentimes a theme because mm -hmm. it's something that I have to be cognizant of being a professional drummer who's playing as often as I am and not getting any younger. Mm. It's like, how do I take care of my body and not blow out my back? Right. But I realized this isn't something that everybody needs to be thinking about. And so I, I thought about it. I'm like, well, why is this guy thinking about it? Because I talk about it. And now that he mm. knows, now he's thinking about he it. can't unknow it. And mm. now when he sits down to play, it's the most active topic that's taken precedent in his plane. Mm. And we started talking last night on Drummer Hangout about overthinking. I brought it up like, how do you guys shut down your brains? Yeah. And we didn't really have a conclusive answer for it because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of different for everybody. Yeah. But we all agreed it's, it's difficult to not mm. overthink when you play. Yeah. Whereas your approach has been in the creative process, how do you not overthink your, your parts? Mm. But yep. I think the same idea applies. The more you yeah. know, the more you have to think about. The more you yeah. know about Pro Tools, the more you have to think about how easy it would be to edit that or mm -hmm. what compressor or gate or feature you can use to make yeah. the thing sound better. The classic, I can fix that in post <laughs> response. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is a thing. The more you have to think about on the kit, um, the, the, the more you're going to overthink. Yeah. And so how do you how do you stop doing this? How do you shut down that overthinking part of your brain and you just sit down and play? Um, I think you have to go back to when you first started playing drums. Mm. You didn't know anything about it. You just sat down and you just started playing. And as much as you know now and as helpful as it is, um, there's still a part of you that has to enjoy this. And in my opinion, overthinking really takes away from just the idea of playing drums for fun because mm. now your brain activity is just consumed with all of these other things it has to keep an eye on instead yeah. of just the idea of playing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think actually the solution is very similar in both cases, at least for me, you know, because I want to try to leave you all with some tools to use. And I think at least for me when it comes to this, it's it's definitely – a mental struggle and mm -hmm. and sometimes i disregard the fact that i have a certain amount of control mm -hmm. over my thoughts and my ability to you know recognize what's happening in my brain <laughs> and mm -hmm. shut it off more so than some other people so like what are the tangible tools here like i think the way that i attack this is i well, i was going to say i i challenge myself um, but what that really means is I make myself uncomfortable to stop me from overthinking it. So case in point, I decided, okay, I'm not, I'm not releasing music. Why not? Okay. I am thinking too much about this and I'm getting in my head and I can't get myself to release it. So I'm giving myself a month 
mm-hmm. to write and record a fully produced song. Pressure now, at cooker. That point, at that point in my life, that was a possibility. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was a tangible goal. It was a tangible challenge. Um, I did it. That got me past this, okay, I can't release any music. I need to release something. Mm-hmm. I did it. Um, it was a challenge. It made me uncomfortable. Um, but sometimes that being uncomfortable is as easy as just like, I'm going to play a style of music I've never played before. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not a big country fan. So mm-hmm. sorry to all of you listening that love country. I am not a big country fan. There's a few artists that I love, but um, I'm not a big country fan. But maybe the making me uncomfortable is throwing on a country song and trying to play drums to it. And realizing very quickly, wow, this is pretty hard to play. Hmm. It sounds easy mm-hmm. <laughs> until you mm-hmm. try to get into the flow of it. you know. And make yourself uncomfortable because ultimately you don't know it. You don't know the space. Or like, for mm. you know, I, a lot of you listening are, are into metal, but for me, metal would actually be the thing where, okay, I'm going to throw on some metal and try to play to it and realize very quickly, I don't know the space here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. And that's going to break me out in a way from any like... Okay, this is Mental, interesting. It's, this, it's making me uncomfortable, which is making me feel a little bit less like <clears throat> regimented. I, I know what you're right? saying. You, and I, th- I think this applies to a certain degree, but I want to go through this with you. So yeah. I'm, I'm good at playing August Burns Red songs. At least I know what I'm supposed to be playing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have it memorized, every part. Yeah. So my brain isn't isn't challenged to the extent that it would be if I wasn't really sure what was coming next or if I was really thinking about what's yeah. coming next, right? You might so know the song really well, but maybe you never sat down to play it or uh-huh. never like broken down the parts per se. You know? Right, but I'm saying yeah. when I'm on tour, it's it's a challenge for me to not overthink. I overthink yeah. on stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to your point, maybe I know the song really well and my brain has this downtime. And so it, it fills the space with things that, in my opinion, are just annoying and a setback. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to yeah. be thinking about those things. I want to be thinking about what I'm doing. Yeah. So to your point, play a different genre of music. Now, all of a sudden, your brain doesn't have time mm-hmm. to overthink these things that don't really matter, at least not all yeah. the time, and you can just focus on the drumming. Yeah. In other words, you should challenge yourself. Now, <laughs> yeah. to play devil's advocate here, I can just see myself doing this. So I sit down and I say, I'm going to play as fast as I can, um, for five minutes, I'm going to play double bass as fast as I can for five minutes. I start mm-hmm. playing and I think, man, I'm not going as fast as I want to, therefore causing me to overthink mm. my technique or my spring tension yeah. or my beater length away from the, from the, uh, that's true. Or my seat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. So if I sit down and play country and I've never done it before, I, on one hand, your brain is challenged because this is a new and hard thing for you. On the other hand, I can't do this well. Man, maybe I'm not, right? That's the step I, I don't want to be taking. Like, mm. the first step's okay. Man, this is hard. I've never done this before. Your brain's challenged. Second step is like, hmm, I should probably tighten my springs because my, my I'm not playing as well as I want to with my right foot. Mm. Or yeah. like, man, my sea height's too high, right? All of those things... <laughs> that stuff's annoying and it gets in right. the way. And I, I say it's annoying, not because it doesn't matter. It does. But if you have that mindset and that's your reaction to every challenge, you're going to be chasing it forever. Right. Even yeah. if you have the perfect C height and the perfect spring tension for you and your body and your playing type, there's, you're going to be thinking there's something. Missing if that's your that, default, yeah, there's whenever something. there's a challenge, yeah. it's, it's like playing the victim. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's not me. It's the it, it's the other thing. And yeah. and that's the part of this that I'm trying to target. I'm trying to bullseye here with you. Like, mm-hmm. how do you get rid of that as your default? Yeah. How do you stay <laughs> away from like it's the gear? Yeah, it's right. The yeah, yeah. That's well, putting all blame on something when it's probably just you. You need mm-hmm. something, a crutch of some sort. Yeah, I think it, that at, like at this point where we're at in this conversation, it's like you almost need, you almost need a hard reset. Mm. You know, like like the classic, like have a you detox. tried turning it off and turning it back on? You know, like what do you, what what does that mean for you? Like what is that hard reset? Is it stepping away from the kit for a few minutes, mm-hmm. for a few hours? Is it for me? It's making myself uncomfortable. It's challenging myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for me where I start to gain perspective on the other thing that I'm struggling mm-hmm. with. It's like okay, well, now I don't know this as well. How am I approaching it? Let me take that method or that tactic back to the thing I'm actually trying to accomplish here mm-hmm. that I'm struggling with, you know? Um, but I think in some cases, it's just a choice. I mean, I, that's not an answer that you guys want to hear, but sometimes it's literally just <laughs> recognizing the problem, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and not doing that thing and not doing that thing. Yeah. Just yeah. turning it off, you know, just yeah. saying, okay, I am in my head recognizing mm-hmm. that, you know, which is sometimes the hardest part, you know? Yeah, that's I mean, it's true. Like, it's the same with like like addiction, you know. That's, exa- like that's first, exactly what the I first just step of. is just admitting that you you have a problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. that sometimes is the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. But once you do it, it you know, it's everything kind of falls into place. So maybe the the hardest and first step is just realizing what's happening. I'm in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that's what you do. Like if you're if you're struggling with whatever it is, mm-hmm. start there like am I in my head? Am I, I remember overthinking this. I remember thinking the same the same thing as you're saying when I saw uh, I saw gospel dudes play gospel chops for the first time. Mm. Right? I thought, oh my gosh, they're not thinking, they're just playing. And yeah. recently I was um, I was studying I, I I guess I wasn't really studying, I was watching videos on YouTube of a drummer who was talking about technique and the right way to do things, and I showed it to Annie and she's like, he looks really uncomfortable. Hmm. Like he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look fluid. I said, do you think I look more fluid than him? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, really? Cause I'm trying to learn the things that he's teaching, but the things he's teaching should directly correlate to basically how, how like how it looks, right. you know, that's yeah. a pretty good representation of like your technique. And then I'm thinking about these gospel guys who are like, Hey, what did you just play? Or how did you do that? Or what do you do with your spring tension? Or what you see? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That seems like a win to me. Going back to what I said, the more you know, the more you have to think about. Sometimes I think the conclusion is to just throw it away and sit down and play. Mm. And I think that will do you so much good. And I'm, t- I'm talking to myself here. So much good in falling back in love with the instrument and getting uh, more into practicing and playing and, and less into how do I do this the right way. Right, because the more you chase that, you're just going to be finding every little thing that's wrong with your kit and your hardware and your setup, and you'll be looking everywhere else but yourself. Um, and I, right. I don't think that's going to land you in a place you want to be. I really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really don't. So this was that's great. This was very <laughs> good, Tim. You did a nice job talking about Thank something you. that you Me had too. no time to talk about. I could tell it was <laughs> real to you. Which yeah, is usually, I was processing it in the moment. <laughs> that's <laughs> <A little> right. <laughs> like, what <laughs> word comes next? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to do that now. Faith topic. Okay. Faith topic. <laughs>
um, the faith topic today is comparison. And the first part of this in setting this up is I have been working on this in myself, much like I have been the overthinking. So it's very real to me and in, in real time. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a conversation I want to have more than it might be a answer to a um, problem. Yeah. You know, a, a solution to a frustration. Okay. So <clears throat> I remember um, back in 2007, I recorded Drums for Messengers in Franklin, Tennessee. <clears throat> and um, we recorded actually with Ethan Luck. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and his, I, we recorded drums in Orlando and we recorded, um, we recorded everything else at his garage. Uh, crazy. That was a long time ago. Anyway, um, I had bought Sabian cymbals for that studio session. Um, and I'd found out about him from Blake from BT Bam. And I think the band helped me out a little bit, but I bought, I bought all brand new Sabian cymbals. And I thought I really love Zildjian, but there's no way I'm going to get a deal with them. So I'm just going to buy Sabian and we'll see maybe afterwards I can get a deal with them. I recorded the album 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 was coming out and there was there was a, a significant amount of attention regarding my symbols uh, my i think it was myspace at the time was just flooded with emails like or messages like hey what kind of symbol are you using what kind of china what kind of crash what kind of hi-hat what kind of splash yeah and so i thought boy i should reach out to sabian and let them know that i'm interested in their product and that i could definitely sell some symbols for them so i sent them a press kit got a letter back and the letter said <clears throat> thank you for your press kit. Unfortunately, at this time, we cannot offer you a deal. This does not have anything to do with yourself. It's not a reflection of your plane or the work that you're doing. Denied. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, that's it. I felt, honestly, I felt awful. I felt like a failure because in my mind at that time, getting an endorsement from a symbol company was like the Mecca and drums. Yeah. And um, I didn't, yet have a drum deal either and I just felt like this was it like I'm what am I doing and uh, not long after that I realized you know what suck it up and stop comparing your situation to other drummers in the industry and keep working and so I took my drum set from the practice space in the barn and I put it downstairs in the shop and I set it up and I took a ladder and I climbed up the ladder and I took my digital camera and I took a picture of an overhead shot of the kit. I sent it to Carson Slovak. I said, hey, you do web design. Can you make me a website? I'll buy the domain. And can you flash these symbols out? So when you roll the mouse I over the symbols. Website. Yeah, remember you posting it. Really? Yeah. It shows you what yeah, it was pretty, kind of uh, symbol pretty it cool. is. Yeah. And and so initially my goal was like I I can't I can't respond to everyone's message about my symbol. It'd be easier if I just had a centralized place to send mm, them. Yeah. Once we made the site, I said, hmm, this might be a way to prove how popular these symbols are in my setup. Put a hit counter at the bottom. Mm-hmm. In one month, there was about thirty thousand unique visitors. I'm sorry, uh, not unique visitors. Thirty thousand visitors to the site. Mm. Um, and so I sent this over to Zildjian, Sarah, and um, I got back. She got back to me that week, 
I was like, we'd like to sign you. And within the year, I had an advertisement in Modern Drummer, like a full page ad that said, it's not what you want to say, it's what you have to say. And it's me like That's smashing cool. the crap out of a China symbol. Yeah. Okay. So I was frustrated and I felt like a failure. And I was comparing my situation to people's around me. Um, and what started to happen was I felt bitterness, resentment, frustration, which was taking the place of joy and passion about drumming and a right. love for the instrument and a love for these symbols. And um, I just realized, like, I, I don't want to live out the rest of my career this way. I need to actually do something about it. And so I took action. I took this picture, sent it to Zildjian, and I actually got the deal I really wanted at the end. And right. now I have this, this story to look back on 15 years later. That's crazy. So there's a couple different ways that um, you can look at this. Let's say that you as a listener are in the workplace and you're like, I'm doing more work than a peer of mine and, and that peer is being recognized for their work and they are being paid for what they're doing, but really I'm the one putting in the time and the energy here. Mm -hmm. You start to go down that trail and you're going to be in a, in a bitter and resentful place before long because you're comparing what you're doing. Look at what I'm doing. This isn't fair. I'm not being paid for this. I'm doing so much more work than the person next to me and they're being recognized for the work that they're doing, which is less right. than what I'm doing and they're being paid for it. And I, I'm just amazed at how human nature tells us to just pursue this mentality. Like, yes, that's a good thing. Keep <laughs> right. doing that because it just robs you. It oh, yeah. robs you of the joy mm -hmm. of what you're doing. That's right. So where I've landed with this so far and I'm, I'm working on it um, in this particular area is what are you in it for? What's your motivation for doing this thing? Mm -hmm. Because if you really look at it, the reason that you're frustrated and comparing might be because you want the attention. You want the affirmation. You want the validation. And somebody else is getting it. Mm -hmm. Not you. Right. What about me? Yeah. And I need to remind myself that the ultimate example of someone not getting what they deserve and getting what they don't deserve is Jesus. Mm. And if I'm going to sit here and say I'm a Christian, then I, then I have to be willing to say not everything that I do is in public. Not everything that I and working on has to be recognized. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, my reaction is, well, but that's not fair because someone else is being recognized for work that they're doing and I'm not. Yeah. So think about this. If you're listening to this episode, you're listening to this segment, what is an area in your life that you have compared your status your financial means, your ability, the work you're investing into this thing, you, you're comparing all of that to someone else and you're saying, this is not fair. Mm -hmm. Now, how does it make you feel when you think about that person that's being recognized for something and you're not? Just, yeah. just, just sit with that for a second. Mm 
Because if you're like me, that that hurts a little bit because you're. Yeah. It's not a good feeling. Yeah. yeah. Now I want you to think about why that upsets you. And I did this this morning. Why does that upset you so much? Okay. And once you've come to terms with that, I want you to think about how honorable it is to not be recognized for something good that you're doing and to continue doing that good thing. We see this in movies and it's the part of the movie that brings you to tears. Hmm. It does. Yeah. When I saw Top Gun, I there's a scene where Tom Cruise, uh, spoiler alert, maybe, is talking about how he pulled the papers on Miles Teller um, uh, Aviation School. And Miles Teller blames him for this. But really what you come to find out is that Tom Cruise did it because Miles Teller's character's mom said she doesn't want the same thing to happen to her son that happened to her husband. Hmm. And, and so someone asked Tom Cruise's character, why, why don't you just tell him that? He, I mean, he resents you for that. And he said, because he resents me already and there's, there's no need for him to resent her for that too. Hmm. So he takes the hit. Now think about right. that. If you're willing to do that, what does that say about your character? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if you're a Christian... Yeah. What does, what does that say about your faith, hmm. that God sees it and that God validates it? And what else can you want? What else, what, what can someone else do that can measure up to that? Right. I mean, you just took, you just took it from start to finish, <laughs> in my opinion. That's because <laughs> I'm living be, it out, man. <laughs> that's, that's where we should be landing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I think... I have a so few I want to hear here. about your your workplace. Like I I legitimately want to yeah. hear like what do you do with this? Because you work really hard and yeah and you're successful, but I'm sure there's other people around you. Without going into like you know a shred fast, yeah. like how do you deal with this? Yeah, that's true. Um, so I think well I have a few thoughts. A I think we're all at least in this day and age um, coming up against this even more than anyone before because social media is built around this very concept of comparison and, you know, displaying what you've done and, Hmm. you know, having more followers than the next person. It's like, it's sickening and it's, I hate it, you know, but you almost, you you buy into it (laughs) on the daily and you, and you don't even realize it. Um, so I think it's tough because it's it definitely is ingrained in, in human nature, like you mentioned. And, and so we're going to come up against this even if we have it figured out. So I'm going to throw that out there right now. We might have this really productive conversation today mm-hmm. and say, this is, the, you know, this is the answer. Yeah, sure. And it very well could be the answer, but we're still going to deal with this <laughs> every day. I am. <laughs> um, I have it's been, going to I be a process be. that you will be going through for the rest of your life. Um how do I deal with this? Well, so <laughs> my dad growing up, um, and I can hear his voice saying it, um, would always say life isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Anytime we said, that's not fair. Why does he get this? And I don't get this. So why does this, why is this happening? And, you know, it was, the answer was life isn't fair. And it was pretty much as simple <laughs> as that. Like it was as, as a, 
as a kid, it was hard to like that wasn't that answer didn't suffice for me. Like it yeah. wasn't enough. But that is the answer. Life mm-hmm. isn't fair. Sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to. Sometimes you just have a bad time, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> that could be the the solution here. I think where you just took it though is uh, ultimately the answer. Um, And there's a quote from Mark Twain. I know I've said it before, and I think it was actually our validation topic, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, um, where I mentioned it. Um, But Mark Twain uh, has this quote uh, that um, comparison is the death of joy, Mm. um, which is basically what you're saying. It's, you know, robs joy from you. And it's it's so true because there's always going to be someone who's a little bit better than you at this, a little bit more good looking, a little bit more successful, has a little bit more money. Um, And the second you start to compare yourself to that person, you're going to fall short. Mm. And that feeling of falling short doesn't feel good. And where I was going to go with that was, you know, literally it's in the Bible. We, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God um, to which Jesus enters Mm -hmm. the picture and pays it all so that, you know, we can actually experience God, Mm -hmm. um, in any shape or form, you know, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so ultimately, um, it's, uh, it's character building this Mm -hmm. whole, this whole concept for for me. So I was going to tell a story. Yeah, it is from the the hammering process, like the little sacrifice album. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's, it's definitely character building. It's definitely a a day-to-day thing. Um, it's a constant, you know, I mean, it's a daily conversation that I have with myself in my brain every single day of almost like what's the long game here? Mm-hmm. Is it worth me complaining or saying this or doing this or bringing this to light <laughs> mm-hmm. right now for this temporary satisfaction? Or do I keep it to myself? Mm-hmm. Just push it aside, forget about it, take it because it's for the better of everyone else. Hmm. Um, yep, that's it. I think, that, I mean, you're going to, now that we're talking about it, if you're listening to this, you're going to find these instances, maybe not on a daily basis. I know it's daily for me. Maybe it'll be daily for you. You're going to come into these scenarios where I can react in this way, and it's justifiable. But does it really, is there anything to gain from this? Mm-hmm. Is anyone going to benefit from me reacting this way? Um, and I think a lot of the times the answer will be clear. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. we might not have enough self-control to actually do something for the greater good. Um, you know, we're inherently selfish. Um, that's just the way we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes we have to make those decisions and make those sacrifices. You, so you you were asking from a workplace standpoint, um, I always get really inspired by um, conversations and quotes around leadership and what leadership is supposed to look like. I've, um, I've had a lot of bad leadership experiences with people. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken those things and I've said to myself, well, if I'm ever a leader, I'm not going to do those things. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't feel good. That wasn't right. To me, that doesn't, that's not an attribute that a leader should have, mm-hmm. you know? And so I've taken those things 
And I love seeing quotes about how a leader should be like this, like this person is a slave driver. This person is a leader. Mm -hmm. This person is a, is a boss and this person is a leader. You know, mm -hmm. how do you grow a company? You know, so from the pro professional side of things and from the spiritual side of things too, you know, what does leadership look like? <laughs> right. Um, it's doing things for the greater good. It's sacrificing. It's, uh, it's working alongside. It's directing. Uh, you know, it's, it's not you know, uh, it's not just being in control. It's not mm -hmm. just telling people what to do. It's not just benefiting from people that are underneath you. Like that's not mm -hmm. what leadership is, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So um, that has very little to do with comparison, I, I understand. But I think where we're going with this is that like um, if you're comparing yourself to other people, you're always mm -hmm. going to fall short. You started mm -hmm. talking about motives. I think that's a great place to start. And it's mm -hmm. funny that you mentioned motives because that was literally what um, the pastor talked about on Sunday at church was motives. That was the <laughs> was the topic mm -hmm. and how your motive ultimately sets expectations um, and how you need to almost be, you have to understand what your motive is and you have to be vocal about it mm -hmm. to people. Um, and the, the, um, the picture that he used was like if he's, you know, talking to his wife, his wife wanted a motorcycle um, and they went back and forth on it for months, whether they should get a motorcycle. And ultimately he was like, yeah, you can get a motorcycle. Go ahead. She got a motorcycle. And he was thinking in his head, well, if I say, okay, you can get a motorcycle, that'll buy me some points. And down the road, I can get what I want. Mm -hmm. So a couple years from now, I'm going to pull this out and maybe I'll get this thing that I want. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that to anybody. There was no agreement when mm -hmm. it was like, okay, you get the motorcycle mm -hmm. and I get this. There was none of that. It was, okay, you can get the motorcycle. Yep. And then down the road, he's going to get angry mm -hmm. or frustrated if then she comes back and says, you can't do that. And That's he's like, right. well, I, I let you get the motorcycle. She's like, well, that, this wasn't part of the conversation then. Yeah. You know, it's not. And so it's like you need to understand what your motives are. Mm-hmm. With everything. Absolutely. Um, because I can guarantee, like, if you're, if, so let's just <laughs> break this down to the simple level. If you're a drummer listening, um, which I know most of you are, and you want to post, you know, you want to uh, post stuff up on Instagram. If your goal is to get Insta famous and just get attention and be popular, um, well, A, the likelihood of that happening is very low. Mm -hmm. Even if you're incredible at the drums, <laughs> because the uh, there's a lot of sea and uh, there's a lot of fish in that sea. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people doing a lot of things, and ultimately, the people who are actually going to be more popular at the drums on Instagram are the better looking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have something interesting about their setup, um, or they just know how to play the algorithm. Like mm -hmm. that's ultimately what's going to get those people popular, mm -hmm. right? Um, or they have some other source of fame, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you have to look at it that way. Like, if your motive, like, if you know your motive right off the bat is just to get attention, yeah, you're probably going to be disappointed. Um, I think I think a lot of people's motive is to be at least as at least as a man, as a male, right? Yeah, it's to be it's to be validated. It's mm -hmm. it, it's for someone to say you did a good job. Validation for sure. What yeah. like what you did today was good. That mm -hmm. was really good. And that might not go far enough, but it's it's a good start mm -hmm. about what your motivation might be. But I think to 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 the point that you made and the point that I made earlier, it 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 really does rest on what is your motive here, which I think mm -hmm. 
is the bottom line, the baseline, because it speaks to your heart. Yeah, right. Like your your heart is is what sort of sets motive in motion, mm-hmm. right? So what is your heart? In this particular case, it was about validation. And the validation in this case was more than just, uh, honestly, than just words. Mm-hmm. It was like, show me, show me you care about this. Yes, yeah, right. Like, it's easy to say thanks or, you know, nice work. It's it's a lot harder to put some skin in the game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yep. And so <clears throat> I think that this is the question I have to ask myself, and you might be like me and you might have to ask yourself, but I think for most of us that are a part of this, it's like, what what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. What What is it that you're looking for and why yeah. are you looking for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was just trying to figure out why in the world I went to leadership <laughs> with with uh, oh I know why you went to professionals I, and I think it's a great point because because um, if you're comparing you're not leading yeah mm-hmm. if you're well, comparing and, you're not leading yeah that's true that's true and and just in general like like if it comes down to to motives you know like like I think that's kind of the root of this whole thing like what is your what is your motivation behind mm-hmm. this like if your motivation is just simply to to make more money and to be in control and to boss people around, you're going to be a terrible leader. You're not going to be a leader. You're going to be a boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> most, what, uh, yeah, basically the epitome of what most of society despises mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, or you could be a leader. Uh, and the reason I got there was I was thinking in the back of my mind of, um, like, uh, so in 2008, I was 18. And I went and recorded an album in Nashville. And um, when I got to the studio, you know, we were um, recording with a pretty well-known producer in the in the CCM world. Uh, we were recording a, a worship album. And I got there, and there was another drummer there. There was a studio drummer. They had brought in some session musicians just to be there to play. Um, and so this was like this recording experience. It was like two weeks of time, but it was one of the biggest times of growth, but also uh, of insecurity <laughs> in my mm-hmm. life that I can think of. And the reason was, is because I didn't actually get to play on the entire album. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. There were a couple songs that we wrote in the studio and the producer arranged, and I just didn't have the time. I need At that mm-hmm. point, when I was 18, I needed time to practice these things. Mm-hmm. I needed time to sit down on the kit and practice. And we were, you know, getting charged by the hour mm-hmm. at the studio. So at some point, all right, Tim, five takes, that's it. We're going to, you know, we're mm-hmm. putting this guy in now. Yep. Um, and that was really, that hit me hard. And I remember Sucker like- Sucker punch. Yeah, man. Uh, shortly after, I mean, I did get on the album, but like there were, there's definitely like songs that I didn't play on. And that like was a super, um, that was a hit to my ego. And I questioned myself for a long time. Like, am I, am I even good enough like this was my dream. Am I even good enough to to be a drummer? And I remember like we played a festival. Um, we played a festival like a couple weeks later, and um, I was backstage for a bunch of different bands. And I remember just the constant thought on my mind is like, I bet this drummer played on all the songs on his album. Mm-hmm. Like I bet he was good enough. And I was automatically comparing myself to every single drummer at this festival mm-hmm. and just it wasn't a good feeling because mm-hmm. like I was like literally like this guy's up here he's playing to a click live um, and then I remembered 
um, just a simple, and this is how I got to leadership. Like we, um, my position in this band was a drummer in a worship team. We were leading worship. That was it. Now this isn't going to apply to everybody because some of you are in bands and the, the main focus is performance. You're trying to give the crowd a good time. In my case here, I was leading worship. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like automatically I was like, all right, my motive's wrong here. Right. I am so caught up in the fact that I didn't get to play on every song on the album, the one that we're selling here at this festival, you know, and, um, or the one that we're going to sell eventually. I don't think we had it ready I'm going to butcher that point, it just but, because I didn't get yeah, to play on it. <laughs> uh, well, I wasn't like, it, it didn't get to the point where I was like bitter about it, but yeah. it just, it was, I was very insecure about it. Like yeah. I was like, how, like, am I even good enough to play at this festival? Right. Like, am I even good enough to be on, be on the kit here? And it just like brought me back to, wait, wait a second. My focus is, is not that this, this is a worship album. The, the goal was to, to help people, you know, connect with God, to worship mm-hmm. God, to lead people in worship. That's my focus here on the kit right now. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, like there's nothing else, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And no one out there listening to the album eventually is going to know I didn't play on the album. And even if they did, why does it matter? Right. Who cares? Yeah, that happens all At the At the end of the day, who really cares? Yeah. Right? Um, so it was, a, it was a big time of growth. I was definitely like really in my head. Um similar to our first topic, about that very thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also motivated me. Then my motive changed. Okay, A, when I'm here, my focus is to lead worship. It's not about impressing anybody. Right. Um, it's not an ego trip. So that right off the bat refocused me there. Then my motivation was even stronger to, okay, I need to be like, re- I need to get really good at this craft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nothing motivated me more to, to practice Mm-hmm. Than that experience in Nashville, right. <laughs> like yeah, it was like man, I have a you long took a way to go. Situation that was challenging and turned it yep. for good. Yep. But I was comparing myself to everybody for a long time, and honestly, comparison was not the catalyst to me growing. Comparison mm-hmm. just stopped the growth. Right. Honestly. Exactly. Anytime I was sitting there comparing myself to somebody else, wondering, oh yeah, I bet they played on the whole album. Like anytime that was part of the conversation. That did not motivate me to practice. That right. didn't motivate me to get better. What motivated me to get better was shifting my focus mm-hmm. and realizing what am I here for? Yeah. <laughs> what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and I think, yeah, ultimately, like what you said, like we all fall short. We all fell short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And um, Jesus paid that price for us. And if we're ever going to start comparing ourselves to anybody, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to fall short at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great um, point. But uh, thankfully, at least from, you know, on the faith side of things, mm-hmm. um, that's been paid for for us. <laughs> so Yeah, I think it know. has to do with what kind of person you're becoming. We talk about mm-hmm. this a lot. If you go through pain and suffering and challenges, it, mm-hmm. it has the potential to make you into something better. And, you, and right. the flip side is to compare your situation to somebody else's who's not going through that stuff. Maybe change your mindset and be like, huh, this, this actually, if it helps you frame it a certain way, say this is actually to my benefit, right. uh, not, not to my disadvantage. Mm-hmm. This is a hard thing to do. I think that this conversation is, 
is a challenging one because it's close to home for mm. myself and and probably a lot that are listening. Um, but man, we appreciate everyone that's listening taking taking the ride with us as we oh, yeah. as we figure it out because hey, this is gonna the, be a daily struggle. You're gonna find yourself comparing yourself to people in every yeah instance all the time. It is human nature, yeah. and it's just like, what do you do with that? Yep. And refocusing is really the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Push just, the reset. Push right. the reset button Hard on, reset. on both of these topics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, great. Well, we're out of time. Um, thank you so much for joining us and supporting this podcast. And thank you, Tim, for uh, brother, a great, uh, <laughs> a, a great conversation. Um, yeah. I guess. Um, great. Thank you. I'm headed. I'm headed to Europe soon. So just on the record. Uh, we will either be recording in advance here at home or I will be taking stuff with me. But um, mm. either way, I'm, I'm home for another month here. So, so we've, got, we've got our work cut out for us. Yes, we do. <laughs> It'll be fun. Thanks for your well, support. If, yeah. if, if you're interested in supporting us more, you can uh, check out our Patreon and uh, you can follow us on, on all social media accounts and tell your friends about That's us right. and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, and Spotify, apparently. You can leave reviews now, too. So, oh, really? Hey, yeah, smart. drop those reviews, peeps. Um, yeah, but um, on the on the Patreon <laughs> side, we do have some, <laughs> we do have some shout-outs. We have a, a lot of shout-outs, actually. Uh, we've got four shout-outs today. So huge shout-out to uh, Aaron Drisk, Joshua Simpkins, Martin Strada, and Justin Smucker. Thank you guys so much for your support, and uh, welcome to the Inner Circle. Um, the Inner Circle, just for any of you listening that might not know, we do say this every time, but they're just an amazing group of people that support the podcast. They are patron members of ours. Um, if you're interested in finding out more, go to patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. You'll find a bunch of different tiers of support with varying incentives, um, anywhere from just two bucks a month, which is just simply supporting us. We feel like we can value our episodes at a dollar an episode mm-hmm. uh, each month. And so if, if you like what you're hearing and want to just support in the simplest way, two bucks a month, and it gets you into this amazing community of people, two of which met, two couples met in the inner circle mm-hmm. and are now both officially married. Mm-hmm. Um, huge shout out to both of them. Um, yes. Very exciting, um, but yeah. Anywhere from that to uh, to you know full blown support, you can have access to mattgrinderlessons.com, and there's uh, merch giveaways, things like that. So definitely check it out if uh, if you're interested. Uh, we'd love to have you on board. Um, but yeah, other than that, if you have any thoughts or questions or comments, definitely hit up the socials first. But you can also email us at Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com. Wow. And I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and <laughs> thank you, Mr. Anderson. Thank you, Mr. Griner. It's been a real pleasure. I'm in, like, Carl. Top Gun mode all the time. <laughs> yeah, your USA hat. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, fly on out of here, Matt. Yeah, that will about wrap it up. All right, we're out. Three, two, one. Peace.